Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yesterday afternoon, the New York Times posted a report regarding the Sean Watson situation. Several interesting angles there. The headline that we first gleaned from it, evidence developed by Jenny Ventus of the Times based upon reviewing evidence from the cases that are moving forward and other sources show at least 66 women providing him with massage services privately over the past 17 months. Now, Remember, the allegation was made in lawsuit number 24 that he's had more than 100 random strangers on Instagram providing massages. I've asked Rusty Harden's office to comment specifically on whether or not they agree with that statement. They have not yet given me a definitive response. But according to Rentis, it's 66. We thought before this week it was 40. And again, it's at least 66. She's identified 66 over a 17-month period. And remember early on, Chris, Rusty Harden's explanation was that the pandemic disrupted Deshaun Watson's normal massage habits and availability. Well, according to Ventus, he started this before the pandemic. Right. This wasn't something that the light bulb went off, hey, I need my massages. The pandemic is restricting my usual access, so I'm going to go get all these strangers on Instagram to give me massage after massage after massage. The COVID excuse is dead. Yeah, it didn't hit that hard in Texas anyways, so to where I think it would really affect that either way. But go ahead, keep going. Well, and 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 I mean, but but the bottom line is, yeah. it's not a good was, excuse. That was an early line of defense, right. and and I'm I'm a firm believer in the bad beef stew analogy that when you find a piece of rancid meat in a pot of beef stew, you don't set it aside and keep eating the stew. You dump out the whole pot. The question is, how rancid a piece of meat is the idea that he started doing all this because of COVID? I mean, maybe that's just the first lie that was told, the first of many lies that have been told 
about what he was up to as he tries desperately to conceal this potentially, if these allegations are true, kind of bizarre fetish lifestyle that he had. But the Vrentis article goes in depth and adds to what has been a bad eight days, a very bad eight days for Deshaun Watson in the court of public opinion. The court of public opinion matters because, again, the entire personal conduct policy is a tool aimed at allowing the NFL to punish guys in a way that will placate public opinion. They care about what guys do away from work, even when they have months of an offseason where they're not under the jurisdiction of the team at all, because fans expect the league to care. Because we, as the NFL, not we, but the NFL expects fans to give them money and time and attention. So that's why they care. But that's why PR matters. And and that's you know one of the, the big fights that you'll see on social media. Well, he's still wasn't indicted and he still hasn't been found guilty of anything or responsible for anything, but that doesn't matter when the court of public opinion seems to be swaying so heavily against the guy as more and more comes out and his team isn't doing enough to push back in a persuasive and effective way. The battle's lost at that point as it relates to what the NFL is going to do, because I, I just, I feel like what's happened the last week makes it far more likely than it was previously that he is going to get a significant suspension at some point, Chris. Definitely. I mean, you said it right. I mean, yeah, public opinion's a huge part of this process, definitely, and how the NFL looks at it. This last week or 10 days has been the worst part. <clears throat> I mean, to me, about the worst 10 days for Deshaun Watson and Rusty Harden that they've had throughout this whole process, other than when the news first broke of this whole situation. I mean, to me, this was, I mean, these are body blows they've taken almost every day here for the last week straight. And yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's only adding to the conversation of, oh, he seems gross. Oh, he has issues around the country. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter. I have a, a, a conversation or two every day about it, no matter where I go. The gym yesterday, I and mean, it gets it, people just, oh man, Watson, whoa. I mean, what the hell? I mean, so yes, it's 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 odd. And you know, again, I I I still yes, with this, there's there's an issue there. Rusty Harden's not doing the best job of framing things to help Deshaun Watson out. And um, you know, this is a big time blow for the New York Times. I, I still get to the question too. I just have a hard time thinking the Houston Texans didn't know some about this as well. Well that's where that's one of the of angles. That's one of the angles, and I had it on my list to get to later. Let's get to it now. Part of what Jenny Vrentis discovered, and, and again, there's no smoking gun that shows that the Texans knew, but the standard that, that applies in many settings is knew or should have known. Knew or should have known. That's the negligence standard. What did you know? What should you have known? What would a reasonable person have known? What would a reasonable person have done? And the idea that they had facilities for him at the Houstonian that he was using, the idea that they gave him NDA language, that he was just having all these people sign to keep it all quiet and keep it all hush-hush, and he just acted like it was normal. Um, there is a question about what the Texans knew, when they knew it, whether they knew or whether they should have known. Should they have known what he was doing? And I, I think that that, and I'm not defending them, but I think back to Mike Vick. This guy had an active dogfighting operation in Surrey County, Virginia for years. Out in the open, 
if anybody had bothered to, you know, go poke around a little bit, Falcons never knew. So much for all these teams having these great security directors, former law enforcement who are plugged in and know everything about everyone. And so I, I think sometimes you have blind spots. Yeah. And I, I think teams have blind spots for franchise quarterbacks. Definitely. And, Star and the Texans had the Texans had no reason to be digging around in Deshaun Watson's life or thinking anything ill of anything he was doing. He had the perfect cover. If these allegations are true, he had the perfect cover. Everybody thought he's a great guy. Yeah. Perfect cover. Right. Nobody's looking at him like, well, this guy's kind of creepy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's the last person you would have thought was doing this stuff, if it's true. So I, it's hard for me to fault the Texans because it's all so yeah. freaking weird. It is. If no it's doubt. true. Yeah, I'm not how trying do to you, fault them. How, how, do you, how do you, like, at what point, I'm not defending them, but at what point, put yourselves, folks, in the shoes of anyone in Texans management. At what point does the light bulb go off? Is it possible this guy is just lining up massage after massage on social media because he's got some weird fetish that he likes to go get a massage and then try to make it into a sexual encounter? And there may be some folks who are objecting to this, and there's going to be a landslide of litigation, and and there's going to be criminal complaints. At what point does that light bulb begin to flicker? I just I don't think that... Yeah, it's not easy. Most, most reasonable organizations aren't constantly looking for things that, like outlandish, over-the-top things that maybe their, no, you're their right. employees they are involved in. I get, I'm not drink, defending them. You might smoke because weed, you, but yes, yeah, right. You could say, you could say that, that, you know, you you could say there's enough here that maybe somebody should have begun to connect the dots and be a little bit concerned. But it's it's one thing after the fact to say, hey, you know yeah, what? I know. It's another thing to have the foresight because look, if you if if you start poking around on something like that and you're wrong and you alienate Deshaun Watson, they alienated him anyway. I guess that's a great irony. They alienated the guy anyway. But you you're gonna piss off a valued employee if if you start asking a bunch of questions and you're like, What the hell are you talking about? No. What? You think I do that? No. Are you really you how dare you? How dare you? So it's it's not an easy thing to do. You could argue maybe they should have known with the exercise of reasonable diligence. Maybe they would have known. But it's hard. It's hard to put yourself in that spot and apply foresight. It's easier to apply hind. Obviously, it always is. So I'm not defending them. I'm just saying that's a yeah, you, that's a tough you better one. be damned before you start asking those questions. You better be damn sure. That you're on to something. Yeah. Well, and like you said, there you don't you don't really want to find something about the best player on your team. I don't know how hard you're gonna look, and that goes for all teams with their star players. You know, so that I mean I think your point's very real there. Now, like what did you what did you take from you know Deshaun Watson's Instagram response yesterday? Somebody just needs to tell him to shut up. Yeah. Don't do this, don't yeah. do it. Nothing you're not gonna make it better. At this point, you're not gonna make it better. You know, he's so intent on fighting these because he wants to clear his name. Your name's never getting cleared at this point. It's never going away. There are too many people, it's lasted too long. You know, the Ben Roethlisberger stuff, as serious as it was, it ended quickly. It ended quickly. He started playing again, he served his suspension, and one year led to two years, led to three years, and it became forgotten. This is never going to be forgotten because it's already 15 months old and it has no end in sight. So 
and this is this is just a little microcosm of the fact that he's either ignoring good advice that he's getting or he's surrounded by too many people telling him what they think he wants to hear. He needs tough love here. He needed it 15 months ago. He needed somebody to sit him down and say, Deshaun, what the f- what are you doing? Listen, listen, you got to stop it and you got to make amends. You got to do it. This is not the time to to get, you know, puff your chest out. I didn't do anything. This is the time to make amends because you got people coming out of the woodwork saying you did something. And I don't care if you did it or not. You got to fix it. That's the kind of message he needed. And before he posted that that message yesterday with the, 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 the lyrics that suggest defiance. Defiance is not a good look for him right now. It hasn't been a good look from the get-go. Well, no, It's definitely not a good look now. Yeah, agree. Especially, I think, when, you know, it just – hasn't necessarily made himself open or hasn't talked about these con- you know this this stuff hasn't had a real lot of tough questions thrown his way about the subject to where yeah we'd like to hear more you know as far as out of your mouth and and evaluate it from there not you know some cool instagram message you you're right and i i think that gets a little bit you know lost on deaf ears a little bit at this point to a degree uh, and, and, you know, Mike, I, I don't know. Yeah, the, the Sean Watson, his approach to this, it certainly is, you know, I, I just I question it. I do. I question, I guess, to a degree, the same thing that makes him great, you know, the stubborn, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I feel like might be the same thing that's holding him back in this situation right now. That the fact that he wants to prove that he was innocent and show everybody, and like you're saying, that's over. Like, there's going to be a huge group of people that just it doesn't matter anymore. They're not going to believe you. They think you're guilty. There's nothing you're going to change. So why don't you, to your point, just get on and getting this, get it out of here to where maybe you save some of the other people that are still on the fence about you a little bit there, and at least it stops the conversation, and you don't have to continue to deal with this quite the way you are now. I, I mean, I'm with you there, and it just seems like we're a little late for that now. He's stuck in this fight, it seems like, knee-deep now, and it's not going to be able to just settle it and make it go away. One of the other significant wrinkles from the New York Times story relates to communications that happened between Rusty Harden, and Jonna Stallings. Jonna Stallings, the assistant district attorney in Harris County, who handles the sex crimes unit and was preparing to present cases to the grand jury. Through access to public records, Jenny Rentis pieced together the extent to which Harden was communicating with Stallings in the months preceding the grand jury effort to determine whether or not to indict Deshaun Watson. And look, every lawyer's got a strategy. If you don't, you need to find another line of work. In every case you handle, there is a strategy. And it is multi-layered, multifaceted, start to finish. This is my strategy. Here's my plan for implementing it. And I believe Rusty Harden's strategy was to do everything he could to ensure that Deshaun Watson was not indicted on any charges. That if they could avoid an indictment, they could maybe bootstrap that into a finding of No punishment at all. I think that's where his logic was flawed, but he was determined to get no indictment. And when you consider the extent to which there were communications, they met the prosecutor and Harden did at his office. They spoke over the phone 12 times and they exchanged more than two dozen text messages in the two months leading up to this process. And ultimately, instead is- of having his client go testify at the grand jury, yeah. 
Rusty Harden presented a package of information that made their case for the purposes of showing that to the grand jury. You know, you, you hear all the time a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich if he or she wants to. Yeah, because you can say whatever you want. It's a one-sided presentation if you want it to be. If you want to indict somebody, you're getting an indictment because you have no obligation to offer up their defense. It's just you. It's an ex parte, one-way communication with the body making the decision, and the other side doesn't even have a voice. When you start giving the other side of the voice, when you are, excuse me, let me try that again. When you start giving the other side a voice, you're not indicting a ham sandwich. You have discretion. You can go very aggressively and indict anyone on anything, or you can go the other way, where maybe you get the grand jury to tread lightly, because maybe, and Chris, here's my point. This is what I think happened. The prosecutor knew she was buying herself a dream team, Marsha Clark, Christopher Darden situation, where Deshaun Watson is going to pay what it takes to have a team of lawyers constant in every one of these cases. And how, how hard is it to find reasonable doubt when it's two people in a room? One says something happened, the other says nothing happened. How hard is it to conjure reasonable doubt? When you have no objective evidence, no third party witness to confirm it, right? She didn't want to mess with that. She did not want to mess with that. I got to prove these cases beyond a reasonable doubt. No, thank you. I'd rather just not have any indictments whatsoever. Grand jury find that there's no probable cause. There's no crime committed. And my life is a hell of a lot less complicated because I don't have to deal with Rusty Harden. Look how aggressive he is working me before the grand jury. What's it going to be like as we're getting ready to go for trial? I'm not going to be able to get anything else done. I have to use my resources for other things, for actual crimes I think I can prove, not potential crimes that may evaporate in a haze of reasonable doubt because I can't prove it to the requisite standard because I don't have the evidence that I need to do it. That's what I think happened here. She got worked by Rusty Harden to not want to indict Deshaun Watson because she didn't want to take on the fight of trying to convict Deshaun Watson, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, Mike. It, It does. I don't know. I mean, again, it's just, it's not the greatest look. I guess that's what I would say here, too. It almost seems, I mean, unethical to the point that you can do this. I know it's not illegal. It just it does seem a little crazy, certainly. But, uh, I mean, you explained it right. It makes sense. And, yeah, the reasonable doubt thing certainly, you know, makes things a little tough for sure. So, I don't know. Again, either way, it's 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 like another blow though that just doesn't look good for Rusty Harden or Deshaun Watson. You know, it looks like it's a little bit of like an inside deal might have gone down there. Even though that's not maybe what happened, that's just the way a lot of people are going to look, look at this and and think that's what went what went on. This isn't nefarious, I don't think. I think this is as simple as Rusty Harden was making sure that John Stallings and the rest of that department knew what they were getting themselves into. Yeah, and they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with it. Why? Look, hey, why would I as a prosecutor want to take on a high-profile case that I know I'm going to lose? They're going to televise this thing. Oh, and I'm going to lose it. No, thank you. I'd rather not. I'd rather not take the case at all. Look, people think the judge is the most powerful person in any jurisdiction. It's the prosecutor. The prosecutor decides who gets charged and who doesn't get charged. Prosecutorial discretion is vast. It is broad. It is power. They can turn someone's life upside down for months if they want to, or they can give them a pass. And sometimes you're giving them a pass because you're giving yourself a pass because you don't want to bust your ass for the next year 
trying to prosecute a guy who's got the resources to put together a defense that is going to craft reasonable doubt in every one of these cases. That's what I believe happened. It's not somebody got paid off. It's somebody who gets paid by the year, not the case, not the hour, but gets a yearly salary saying, I got better things to do than waste my time and the resources of this department on cases that are going to result most likely in acquittals. One last point real quickly, because after the New York Times report yesterday, I feel more strongly than ever that paid leave needs to be back on the radar screen. I asked the league, point blank, point blank. I asked Brian McCarthy, paraphrasing. The commissioner said back in March, no paid leave. If I'm going to do anything, I'll just suspend him. Does that still apply? Yes or no? Simple question. Fair question. Do his words from March still apply today? Response, no comment. My belief, paid leaves back on the table. How can it not be, Chris? How can it not be back on the table? Yeah, I, I hear you. How can it not be? You know, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I would think, yes, that's on the table. All things are on the table right now. Um, but I think the, but they took it off the table. That's what's I know, significant. I know. Well, the, rarely do you see them remove it and then put it back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the I, NFL is being backed into a corner here for sure. By everything we've discussed and, and where the public perception is right now around Deshaun Watson and it ain't good. So they gotta, they gotta try to figure out all options to, to make things work for, for the league. So that's what we'll see where it goes, but I would think it's back on the table. Three reasons real quickly why paid leave would make sense. Beyond the fact that I think it's justified based upon this avalanche of allegations and just the way everything's gone the last week. Number one, you short circuit the whole disciplinary officer process with paid leave. You don't have to worry about some third party getting involved to determine whether or not paid leave is justified. That's only if you're going to suspend him, discipline him, et cetera. The league regards paid leave as not discipline. Number two. You unlock all the football season for him to start trying some of these cases and get them behind him. Right now, August 1 to March 1 is off the table. Good luck getting these 24 cases done. When every August 1 to March 1 is none of these trials are going to happen. You put him on paid leave, he can focus on trying these cases. Number three, as I said yesterday, they put him on paid leave, these cases are going to settle. I know it's going to be expensive, but if they put him on paid leave, these cases are going to settle. Once he recognizes what it means and what the consequence is, and he's going to sit out another season, maybe longer, it's going to be time to settle these cases, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I mean, we'll see where it goes. I mean, hopefully, hopefully this all comes to a head. I'm sick of kind of talking about this subject. I got nothing more to say today. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Cam Newton continues to believe he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks on the planet, and a former player who was interviewing him strenuously objected. We'll talk about that next here on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
I always get nervous when I see videos like that because, uh, look, I don't, I don't know what kind of traffic was on that road, but that dog becomes a missile pretty quickly if there's any type of <laughs> abrupt stop by the by – the, uh, it looked like there was some sort of a leash holding the dog in. But uh, also, my dog is – if my dog in the front seat of my car, the dog's driving the car at that point. My yeah, dog that- much bigger than, than Rose, the multi-poo. Owned by Mac Jones. A multi-poo. Um, multi-poo? multi-poo. I mean, what what invention of an animal is <laughs> that sounds, this? What that sounds what? like a that sounds like that sounds like a rough Friday night. I, I mean, I don't even know some of these dogs <laughs> now. I'm like, what what the hell are they? Are they even real? They're human concoctions now of like animals that they want. I mean, I I found out the other day. Oh, what's what's the you know? There's a small, cute dog that everybody likes. I'm gonna I'm gonna. You know, it became very in fashion. It almost looks like a small bulldog, like a miniature. I'm blanking on the damn name. It'll come to me. Yeah, yeah, a Frenchie. They can't even have birth. We have to help them to have birth because they've been engineered to have big heads to look good that the dog, mom dog, can't even squeeze out a dog without okay. help of a Thank human. You. How Thank is that you. a real animal? If you can't have birth to your if you're gonna have birth to your own kids, I don't know how you're a real animal, which is not. It's a human concoction. I like a lot of those little dogs. <laughs> All right. All right, Johnny African Goose. Uh, let's move on to Cam Newton. He appeared on the Pivot podcast, and we got some things to break down. But but here is Newton. We talked about revisionist history earlier as it relates to Aaron Rodgers. Here's what may be some revisionist history from Cam Newton as to why his last two NFL stops maybe didn't go as well as his MVP season did. My own worst enemy will always be me. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to keep it above. I done jumped in some f***ed up situations. Just keeping it above, right? And this is, this is, this ain't no remorse. This ain't no, I want somebody to feel sorry for me. This is me acknowledging that I understand I'll own up to jumping up into some f***ed up situations. The New England experience was a fucked up situation. I was still learning the offense seven to eight weeks into the season. It was times I'm going to the line and I'm still thinking. I'm thinking about the enunciation of the play. I'm thinking about forgetting my motions. I'm thinking about my sight adjust. I'm thinking about certain things. So that's the fucked up situation. Did I know it? Yes. To the degree that I needed to know it to, in order to show the world that I'm still Cam Newton? No. Right. I did. But I put myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Carolina, I put myself in a, another f-ed up situation. I was signed on Thursday. I played on Sunday. Yeah. At what point did you think you was going to be successful? That next week I started. That's still up under 10 days of you being on a team. Right. And you're still trying to learn an offense. So before I sit up here and allow the narrative to be made that Cam ain't got it no more, Cam is taking full responsibility and saying that Cam put himself in a fucked up situation. Oh, oh, did we get, did we, did we fully bleep that? I don't know about that one. Yeah. I don't know. There were so many of them. You can't get them all. I'm sorry. Hey, you know, you're batting 75%. That's not bad. Um, on to Cam. So, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know that I buy it, but this gets back to, the extent to which it's critical for coaches to adapt their offense and their system 
to suit the skills and abilities of the player. Bill Belichick talked about that yesterday, how they work directly with the quarterback, about what the quarterback likes and doesn't like. So some of it's on the coaching staff, but some of it's on the player. At some point, the player's got to figure it out. At some point, the player has to be expected to have figured it out. How hard are you working to figure it out? I don't know that part of it. I haven't learned the offense yet. What are you doing to learn the offense? What is the team doing to teach the offense? What is the team doing to streamline the offense? I don't know. I mean, they they didn't rush Cam Newton right in because he didn't know the offense. So, I, I, Chris, I, I, I think there's no easy way to answer whether it was the offense not being mastered by Cam Newton or Newton just not having it anymore. I don't know that you can glean that easily from the film. No. Or, or can you? Well, what do you think? No, I mean, listen, I think, I think there's these are you know fair questions to bring up. Were they tough situations? No, no doubt about it. No doubt. But, you know, at the same time, hey, yes, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that were in let me learn the offense type of situations. I know that first year in New England, he got there a little late in the offseason before he became the guy. And, yes, he got a late head start. But – they did formulate an offense to make him feel comfortable and do some things, and we saw some positive signs. But to his point of where he messed things up and to pile on to where he said, yes, tough situation, you know, situation that got tougher the year of COVID because you got COVID because you were, by all accounts, out to dinner with some people who had COVID. And a year where, you know, I think a lot of teams would have been like, I wish our starting quarterback wouldn't go out into the city and have dinner and all that. So that didn't help him. And then when he got back from COVID, he really struggled there. And then, of course, you know, the next year going into, we had the offseason. I'll, I'll test myself and I'm going to leave town and do all that stuff and forget the protocols to where you, know, you put yourself in that spot now that where you had to sit out for a few weeks and then be put in that Carolina situation. So the play has fallen off, but so I think is what people are going to say is the play isn't going to be as good enough to necessarily warrant the guys not showing the best judgment all the time or doing exactly what's needed to be for a quarterback. And I think that's going to be also hurt him to where you go, wait, throwing is not quite as what we would like it to be. I wish it was a little more consistent running. He's not the way he used to be. He's not as electric and going to make big-time plays that way. And then you go, okay, we got to deal with all the Cam Newton effect and all that. And to me, all of that together certainly hurts his value. And, yeah, I'm one that sits here and questions whether he'll be on a team for 2022. I'm not sure about that. Especially if you now know that he will, after the fact, call it an effed-up situation sure. because he wasn't able to learn it fast enough. Well, the offseason's almost over. Training camp is going to roll around. When are you going to sign him? Same when are you going to bring him in? Right. He believes he should be a starter. Which team is going to say, here, come in now in a compressed time frame, learn the offense, and be ready to be the starter? So uh, here is Cam Newton on his belief that he continues to be one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. There's not 32 guys better than me. Still, you still feel the exact same. Cam. On my soul. Cam. On my soul. On my soul. At the end of the day, comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges, certain situations for certain situations. And if you think that I couldn't be on somebody's team right now, you a damn fool. As, as a starter. Man, as listen. a starter, as a franchise, as a Super Bowl contender, you yeah. are 33 years old. Yes, sir. You done got old. Yeah. 
you're one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world right now. Cam, I, can't, I cannot accept that. I can't accept it. That I'm not I saw what you did in New England. Mm-hmm. When you went back to Carolina, I saw what happened. Like, like the proof's in the pudding. Tell, tell me I'm wrong. So I'm going to ask you, who's the bottom 32? Mm. The bottom. The bottom 32. So go from 32 up. Hello. <laughs> it will be the guys that took your job. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no. It will be the Mac be the Jones. Guy. It'll be the Tua's. It'll be those young guys that are that are 10 years younger than you. The real talk. It'll be the guys that are trying to prove themselves that are 10 years younger than you Listen. that are working their way up. That so their, you, you their think, ceiling is higher than what 33-year-old Cam Newton's so ceiling you think, is. There ain't 32 other motherfuckers that's better than me. And once you go about it like that and saying, bro, my impact is my gift and my impact is my curse because they do know when you bring a Cam Newton to your organization, it's going to be a monster in itself. Put Cam in. I, 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 think, I think there's nothing more to say. That's the reality. Cam Newton is so larger than life that he can't be a backup. He has to be the starter, and right now there's no team that views him as being the potential starter, or he'd already be on a team, Chris. Yes, plus he's a guy that we've discussed last year and even the year before, that, and we have great you know, knowledge and experience of this, even before that in Carolina with injuries. He needs reps. He's not, your, he's not the prototypical backup quarterback like we could say with some guys out there case keenum he can just kind of go with his brain and a few reps and go out there and run the offense that doesn't work with cam he needs to get a little bit of a rhythm and see the ball go through the net a few times so to feel good about throwing the ball so yes there in my opinion there's definitely 32 quarterbacks that are better than cam newton in fact i think there's 40 maybe 41 or 42 he was just on the outside and the looking in on my list I mean, I didn't forget about Cam Newton. He was on the outside of the list with the Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, you know, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Cam Newton. It was those guys that were left over that at least were left off my list, you know, at least in my ass- assessment, Mike. I, I got to give a, a, a real round of applause to Channing Crowder, though, for not doing the usual, this guy's on our podcast, so we're going to kiss his ass routine. Yeah, that's Tough right. questions. Right. The look on Cam's face. When Channing Crowder started to go in, I, look, I think this all gets back to what we talked about earlier. It's about ego. It's about pride. Sure. It's about it's tough. vanity. It's tough to do. He doesn't want to admit it. And I he look, the it's, man he's a human forever. being. He's a human being. Yeah. He was the man, and now it's over, and it's going to take him some time to process it. And maybe after this podcast appearance, he's a little closer to accepting that it's time to move on with what Chuck Noll would call your life's work. Because for football players, it's supposed to be just a small piece of your life. What you do afterward, unless you're Tom Brady, is going to be what you really do with your life, not football. Football is just delaying your life, as I'm delaying a break that Pete keeps telling me to take. When we return, the Denver Broncos have been sold. Spoiler alert, Chris and I didn't buy them. Broncos fans everywhere rejoice. We'll be right back. Walmart money has swooped in to buy the Denver Broncos. Rob Walton and Greg Penner. Penner, the son-in-law of Rob Walton and the current chairman of Walmart. Walton, the son of the founder of Walmart and the former chair of the company, pull their money together 
and they plunked down $4.65 billion to buy the Broncos, subject to league approval, finance committee approval. Oh, they're just writing a check. It's not like you, it's not, they're paying cash, baby. They can afford it. Rob Walton's one of the richest guys in the world, so the Broncos now under new ownership at $4.65 billion, Chris. Wow. I mean, it's amazing. It's just the money that's being thrown around, the value of these football teams, like it, it just shows you where the league is at right now. It really is. Almost $5 billion to the Denver Broncos. Uh, I think it's more than people expected, certainly. And it's interesting, you know. No, it's less, it's less than some expected. Some, some thought it was going to go north of five. Some, some who maybe own teams that would like to think their own equity is worth more than it is. Yeah. There, there, there was a thought that the first number was going to be a five. And I think some are going to be disappointed it didn't make it to five. The Walton um, and the Cronkies, they're actually going to, they're going to own all of Denver here soon or just half of it or what? <laughs> or the whole world, I don't right. know. <laughs> yes. Just changed the United States to Walmart. Uh, it, it already basically is. Let's take a break. We're going to draft the best non-quarterbacks in the NFC North when PFT Live continues right after this. First of all, whoever made that dra- uh, graphic can go straight to hell. Just go straight to hell. Sorry, sorry, Gabby. It's Gabby's birthday. I'm just kidding. Don't go straight to hell. Enjoy your birthday, then go straight to hell. I'm just I'm, I'm seriously kidding. <laughs> That's funny. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? I have zero recollection of that. None. None. That's part of being 57, baby. I was only 56 then, and I had no recollection of it. It's only going to get worse. All right, let's get into the best non-quarterbacks in the NFC North. Chris, we should call it the Justin Jefferson Memorial Draft because uh, I think we both would make him our first pick. Or am I wrong? No, I'm making making my first pick. I am. You're right. I mean, to me, it's kind of obvious. And I think with the importance of wide receiver in football right now, I mean, Jefferson, you know, Jefferson's in, in that convo. Again, I know there's a lot of good receivers, but to me, he is in the upper echelon of Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. He's one of those type of guys. So, yes, Justin Jefferson. You know, one thing I'm noticing looking at some of these names yeah. Pete selected. Yeah. Not the strongest division in football. Yeah, it doesn't have huge star power, for sure. There's no question. I'll go Dalvin Cook. Yeah. I'll go Dalvin Cook. Because yeah. I think he's still the man when he's healthy, and it's not his fault. It's the position that causes guys to get injured, but I'll go Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, he's definitely one of the first names I wrote down here as well. But, yeah, I mean, it's hey, it speaks to you know your, your point there. Bears seem like they're rebuilding. Lions are kind of getting better. Minnesota's in total flux. Green Bay's the only real thing there. I'm going to go with Jair Alexander. He, to me, is one of the best corners in the sport. That's why they just paid him $84 million contract. He's a pretty awesome football player. I'll go with him. I'll go Robert Quinn. He set the franchise record in Chicago last year for single-season sacks, beating, I think, Richard Dent's 18 with 18-and-a-half. They know who we mean. Just act like you're right. No one's going to call you out on it. So, Robert Quinn, there's still questions about his future. He may not be with the Bears for long. But at least for now, he's there. Yeah, no, I mean, he's still a top-notch pass rusher and had a phenomenal year last year after having a little bit of a down year the year after. Now, this is where it gets interesting here. This is where, you know, there's a lot of middle class here, you know, to, to choose from. I, I, I do want to take a lion. I mean, I, I want to take, like, TJ Hawkinson, who I think's injected himself in that top tight end conversation. But I'm sorry. I'm not going to go. I'm going back to Green Bay. I'm going, Even though he didn't play a ton or at all last year, I'm going back to Tiari. David Bakhtiari is, is still – He's he's you know in the he's maybe the best pass protecting left tackle in football. So I'm going to take him for sure. 
I was going to go Rashawn Gary, yeah. but then I remembered he made it onto that that graphic. And you didn't know who he when, was. And we didn't know who he was, <laughs> so that disqualifies Rashawn Gary. I'll go Eric Kendricks. I think he's going to be really good, yeah. even though they're changing from a 4-3 to a 3-4 as an inside linebacker. He had some very flowery, glowing comments about his role in the new defense. I, I – I uh, and he's he's I think he's a guy that's going to work in any defense and he's he's uh, he's still underrated. awesome. Yes, he's we'll awesome. Take a break. Yeah, we'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Eve is having a special day, and so is Mike. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Michael Florio. Happy birthday to you. Oh, happy birthday. What in the what in the hell was that mascot right Man, there? I don't know. I think that was after I cycled out of the Ropper Room cloud. I think the Ropper Room lady, I looked looked like uh she likes a little you're a uh, wacky tabacky. I don't know. I just got a vibe from her. How did you get that vibe? What did, I how just did got you a vibe. Get I, I get that vibe from I get that vibe from everybody. Well, apparently, I, I mean, it's it. the '70s. I feel like they gave that vibe off on every show. There was always yeah, like, that's my color. point. Okay, all right, good. I was like, did you look in her eyes? Did they seem bloodshot? Did you have a little <laughs> Panama red there. How did you know? I don't. That was like you know, very. Hey, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers' eyes were bloodshot earlier in the program. They, so yeah, yeah, they're always like that though. I mean, he's got some of the biggest eyeballs I've ever seen, you know, and I think that's why a lot of women think he's very handsome for, because of that. Proper Room made it for 42 years before it died. Wow. It made 19, it to the 90s? Four. 40, 40, 42 years. That clip was from the 80s. Damn. So, I did not so, get into uh, Romper Room as a young child. That one, I, uh, my mom never put that channel on for whatever reason. I outlived Romper Room by at least 15 years. Here's hoping that I make it 16 years hey, beyond the demise. Go in your freaking pool today. Here lies Romper Room. Start drinking right now. Here Enjoy lies yourself. Peace. Here lies Romper Room. <laughs> <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.